Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin our time in God's word today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing of this worship that we've already enjoyed. Lord, we thank you for uh, the celebration of fathers and for the prayers that have been offered and for the uh, scripture that is read and the words that we have sung and, and encouraged one another with. And Lord, as we take this time to open your word and and dive deep into it and to understand how it applies to our lives. Lord, I pray that your spirit would work, that he would already be at work to open our hearts to receive it, and that you would prepare us to go out from this place ready to walk in a way of faithfulness, a way uh, that ministers to others. pray that you would bless us now as we study from your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, as we come to the end of a section of, or a sub-series of, the study that we've been doing on discipleship. And over the last three weeks, we've been considering the way of life, uh, the way that God gives to us through His Word, through His teaching, that leads us uh, to live as disciples, so That how we are to live as disciples in this world. And so... We started by looking at the way of obedience and seeing how we are to live in faithfulness to God before our fellow man. And then uh, last week we saw the way of truth and how we're to live, uh, how we're to walk in the truth and we're to watch or to be watchful of the truth as we live this way of life. And so uh, finally today we come to the last way that we are to live or the way of life uh, a last aspect of the way of life that we are to live. And that uh, applies not to us personally in our own obedience and not to our beliefs, but how we as a church are to carry out the ministry of God in this world. What is the way of ministry? What is the way of truth that we are to live as a body of believers in this world, in this lost and dying world? And so uh, this is a very serious question, in my opinion, for our present age. It's a question, really, that every American church is asking, and if they aren't asking it, they need to ask. And that, that is a question of, what is the ministry of the church to be? In a post-Christian world, in a post-Christian America, in a world that uh, has lost all sense of biblical morality, a world that has lost any, any cohesive sense of, of, of understanding of the truth, what is the, the ministry of the church to be? Is the church to be a political party? Is it a social club? Is it a service organization? Or is it something other than all of those? Or uh, another way to ask this is, what is the primary work of the church? What is to be our focus as a church? What is to be our focus as a denomination? What is to be our focus as the universal church in America? So this morning we're going to study from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-5 through 5, as we seek to answer those and other questions about the ministry of the church, the primary work of the church. So follow along with me as I read 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. It says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teaching to suit their own passions. 
and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So from this passage, I want you to see that the way of life is a way of faithful ministry with a charge to those who minister and a challenge to those who listen. So we're going to look at those two points, a charge to those who minister and a challenge to those who listen. So first, consider the charge to those who minister from verses 1 and 2. Paul has just challenged Timothy, particularly in chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, that his minister ministry as a pastor at Ebenezer... At Ebenezer. There I go again, messing up churches. Uh, last week we were at First Baptist Church. This week we're at Ebenezer, I guess. But anyway, uh, his, his ministry at, uh, as a pastor of, of, uh, at Ephesus... There, got it right. All right, he's at Ephesus. We're at Antioch West. Everybody know where we are? All right, including myself. Um, His ministry as the pastor at Ephesus should be governed by the Word of God. Now, he gives Timothy in this passage that we just looked at a charge. And I want you to notice three characteristics about this charge that he gives to Timothy. I want you to notice the seriousness, the singularity, and the standard. So first... Notice the charge that Paul gives to Timothy is serious. Notice he charges Timothy in the presence of God and Christ. And he reminds Timothy of who Christ is. He says that Christ is the one who will judge the living and the dead. So this charge isn't given by cute hippie Jesus that loves everyone and wants everyone to be happy. This is the king of the universe who will return one day and he will call his servants to give an account for how they have managed his kingdom. So understand from this that the ministry of the pastor, and in my opinion, by connection, the ministry of the church in general is serious business. It is life and death, heaven and hell type of stuff. When I stand before you as a minister of the gospel, I am to take this task with all seriousness, with the seriousness that it would come with the judgment of God if I were to mishandle it. Anyone in this church who takes on a teaching role has that same expectation, that same seriousness, that same responsibility. If you teach Sunday school, you should take that task seriously, understanding that this ministry is a ministry of the church and it is kingdom work. If you teach vacation Bible school, as we will do tomorrow, uh, we have a lot of fun. We do silly things. We get up and and dance and we play games and we uh, have fellowship and we do all those fun things. But at the core of what we do, it is serious kingdom work. It is heaven and hell type of stuff, and we should treat it as such. You'll notice, uh, some of you have noticed that I take the teaching ministry of this church very seriously, whether it be what we do in Sunday school or Sunday night or Wednesday night or vacation Bible school. I take it seriously because it is real kingdom work. And Paul calls Timothy to take it seriously. And everyone who takes on the teaching ministry of the church under the authority of Christ is to take it on with a seriousness. 
Next, notice the singular focus of this charge. Paul charges Timothy with one task. One task. Preach the word. Notice there's no other task that Paul gives Timothy in his ministry. He doesn't charge him to administer the business of the church. He doesn't charge him to serve as a political or public figure. He gives him the singular charge of preaching the word of God. Timothy is to do this in season and out of season. I love that phrase. I love that phrase because it is so poignant and prescient to the ministry of a pastor. I can't tell you the number of times where I've preached a sermon that is in season and it's got a thousand amens during the service and times when I've preached it out of season and it's been crickets. Not necessarily in here, but there have been, been times when that is the case. Uh, when Paul says that we, he is to preach in season, out of season, it means quite literally he is to preach when it is popular and he is to preach when it is not popular. And he is to preach that which is popular, which he has large agreement on, and he is to preach that which he won't get any amens on. He is to preach when the office of the pastor is respected and when it is maligned. He is to preach when the hottest trends in ministry tells him that preaching is all the rage. And he is to preach when the hottest trends in ministry tell him that it, preaching is outdated. And instead, he should substitute preaching for dancing and musicals and uh, anything else that might attract the seeker. He should preach the word when politicians could care less about the church and when politicians would rather he use the pulpit as a political stump speech. Lastly, notice the standards of this charge. Paul charges Timothy to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Now, this statement is paradoxical. It seems contradictory. On the one hand, he tells Timothy to rebuke and to reprove. But on the other hand, he tells uh, him to do it with patience. In this, we find a balance in the preaching ministry of the church. Yes, our preaching and teaching should challenge sin. Yes, we should teach men and women and boys and girls who, uh, that they are called to repentance and faith. We should warn them about the judgment that is coming. But we should do so with patience. We should be long-suffering with those who struggle with sin, even as they seek to live a life of repentance. We should be forbearing of those who I like to call grumpy Christians, those who are quick to give an opinion, but slow to give a compliment. We should be this way. We should be patient because God is long-suffering with us. And because God has been long-suffering with us, we are able to be patient and long-suffering with others. So this leads me to my second point, and that is that the way of ministry also contains a challenge to the listener. So notice in verses 3 and 4, Paul warns Timothy of a trend 
that is going to rise up within the church. There's going to be a trend among His people, among the people of God, among the world that is going to uh, rise up in the church and in the world, and He is going to have to endure this problem. And He warns that there will come a time when people will not endure sound teaching. Now, there are two ways that Paul says that people will reject sound teaching. One way that people will reject sound teaching is that they will seek out teachers who will affirm them in their own sinfulness. And brothers and sisters, we live in that time. We live in a time when people seek out preachers and teachers who will affirm them and confirm them in their own sinfulness. Paul says that they will have itching ears and will uh, gather together for themselves teachers who will say that what they are doing is acceptable, that will suit their own passions, as Paul puts it. In other words, they will find teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. They will find teachers who will tell them that God loves them just the way they are. He made them in the sinful state that they are now wallowing in. And that there is no expectation of change. There is no expectation of repentance. There is no expectation or concern for holiness. And second, they will reject healthy teaching and instead turn to myths. Uh, now, there are several superstitions that Paul has in view here when he used the word myth. Uh, first, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 4, he says that false teachers devote themselves to myths and to endless genealogies that promote speculations rather than the gospel. As Jesus tells the Pharisees, they strain at gnats and they swallow a camel. So in other words, they make a big deal over small things and they make a small deal over big things. So the temptation with Scripture, because there are tons of information in Scripture, the temptation with Scripture is to become obsessed over the tiniest of details, over ancillary details that have really nothing to do with the major point of the story. So things like, where did Cain's wife come from? Or how old is the earth? Or when is the rapture going to happen? These details are not the main point of Scripture. And when we obsess over them, they distract us from the broader, more important story of the gospel. They can lead us, quite literally, they can lead us astray into missing the bigger point. Another way that listeners can give, uh, be given to myths is by being obsessed over the mystical. So Paul tells, Tim, uh, tells Titus, I'm sorry, in Titus chapter 1 verse 14, charge them not to devote themselves to Jewish myths. Now Jewish myths were these fables that had been added to the stories of Scripture. So they were fables like from the book of Enoch, and there's another book called the book of Jubilee, which uh, embellished on the stories of Scripture and can distort our understanding of Scripture. And we find this today with obsessions over angels and demons, uh, various supposed 
uh, numerical schemes within Scripture. Y'all remember the Omega Code? It was real popular when I was a teenager. There was a book called The Omega Code, and they made it into a movie, and it was all about how there was this certain mathematical formula in Scripture, and people were all crazy about it back in my day, uh, back in my teenage days. So, uh, you know, the obsessions over these different numerical schemes in Scripture, or whether Jesus had a, uh, uh, had a wife, or uh, all these different conspiracies that are added on top of Scripture, read into or between the lines of Scripture and, and can lead us astray in our obsession over them. Again, these fables take away from the big picture of the gospel. They distract us over the small things and they can lead us astray. So this warning is given to Timothy as a pastor. He warns that there will be people who will come along, who will be members of your church, who will not be given to sound doctrine, but will rather gather for themselves teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. But I find in this warning to Timothy a challenge to every church member. Whether you serve as a teacher in this church, whether you're going to teach vacation Bible school next week or not, or whether you teach Sunday school or not, you have a responsibility as a church member in the pew that you now sit in And that responsibility is a challenge from this text that I want you to notice. When when I stand before you to preach, you are not passive in this act. Your task as you listen to preaching or as you sit in Sunday school or as you read your Sunday school literature or as you read a Christian book is to listen with intention. So as we close, let me commend to you two ways that you can actively listen based on what Paul warns Timothy about here. First, you can actively listen by treating your itching ears, by addressing the issue of your itching ears. Now, there's no telling in in a room of, I'm guessing, 60 to 70 people here, In a room of 60 to 70 people, there may be almost that many opinions over what I should preach any given Sunday. Some of you would rather hear a sermon on the end times. Others might want me to address some political issue. Still others just wish I would preach about fathers on Father's Day or mothers on Mother's Day. But consider that your desires for what I should teach just might be itching ear syndrome. God has called me to preach in season and out of season. That means that there are times when I need to teach you truths that you, to you, might seem uh, untimely or even out of fashion. But still, they are the truths of Scripture. And I am under the authority and the judgment of God to teach them. So when your ears itch... Instead of tuning me out because it's not your favorite subject, discipline yourselves to listen even more intently and to consider the ways that you might have neglected the subject that we're covering in the passage today. Second, you can actively listen by learning to swim in the deep end. And let me just say, 
that studying genealogies and all the minute details and, and what ifs of Scripture, a lot of people present that as the deep stuff. You know, have you considered the way that uh, the numbers of the letters and the words, they add up to this number and that means this? And you, you read all that and you listen to all that and you say, man, this guy really knows his Bible. This guy's really deep. But let me just say that that all might seem like deep stuff, but it's not where the deep water lies. When the, ser- when the sermon challenges what you've always thought, or when it-, it calls you to think more broadly about a subject, don't shut down and turn off because it, it or, or turn back to the subjects that you like because it's not something that you wanted to focus on today. Instead, write down the passages that I reference. Take notes on the concepts that I cover. Then go do your own digging and investigate for yourself. Or better yet, give me a call and we'll go to lunch because I like to do digging. So if you want to go go to lunch or you want to talk over the phone or you want to battle it out on email, we can do that. I'm obsessive like that and I'd be glad to talk about anything that you, you want to investigate from a sermon that I preach or a Sunday school lesson or a Wednesday night Bible study, whatever it might be. We, we can go deep together, and that's something that we all should pursue. It is, the, uh, it is in that deep water that you find the wondrous glory of God, the wondrous majesty of God, and real growth in faith. So I challenge you as listeners to, uh, to guard your ears, to put salve on your ears so that you might hear the hard truths of the gospel, the hard truths of Scripture, and to discipline yourself to listen to the deep things of of God and to grow in faith. And I challenge us as a church that we would be committed to the primary work of the church, and that is the proclamation of God's Word. We do that from the pulpit. I seek to do that faithfully every Sunday, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. But we also do that in our, uh, in our ministry in Sunday school. We do that in vacation Bible school. We do that in so many other ways. And you do that in your own personal lives as you go into your workplaces, as you raise your families, as you have family devotions, as you uh, let God's Word come to bear in your own life. And so I challenge us all to carry out the ministry of this church, to be faithful, to preach the Word, to teach the Word in our own callings, and to support that in our church as we seek to live faithfully in this way of life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for the ministry of the Word in this church. Lord, I thank You for faithful ministers who have served this church, for faithful Sunday school teachers, for faithful uh, vacation Bible school teachers. And Lord, I thank You for all the volunteers and commitments that we have from members of this church to serve. And Lord, I pray that we would recognize that our ministry as a church is to be devoted to the proclamation of your word, to the discipleship of those who come into our fellowship in the word of God, that all of the ancillary concerns over politics and service and all of that, that's, that's ministry that we can do in our own efforts and our own callings. But the ministry of this church is to be to the Word of God. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be faithful to that as we carry out your work in this world. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.